It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you listen, whenever you're watching. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by uh, the Holiday Inn Properties. That's right. If you're looking to stay someplace, Stay at a Holiday Inn. That's right. There's uh, uh, lots of options for the uh, uh, Holiday Inn properties. And uh, if you use the uh, Billy C discount, if you want to get a Billy C discount, uh, just call their toll-free number. It's our special number, actually, 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. Or if you're like me and you can't remember uh, phone numbers, then just go to the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Holiday Inn banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about uh, getting this guy's story told this guy tom molino and talking about this story uh we're hoping that it's going to be uh, uh made to a movie fairly soon uh, i know that uh it's uh being discussed we have optioned it so uh uh get yourself a copy now hey if you want a signed copy just visit the website billycboxing.com uh or uh if you're looking to get multiple copies just drop me an email billy at talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, well, it's Friday, so we're going to give you our breakdowns and predictions of uh, some of the major fights this weekend. I, I picked five. Dax Khan's going to be joining me in about a half hour, uh, and we'll break those down together. Uh, we, uh, as always, uh, uh, you know, we have the uh, chat rooms available. Uh, head on up to the YouTube chat room. Uh, if you uh, uh, wish, and uh, we'll always uh, appreciate um, a super chat. So, uh, uh, in any event, um, 
As a follow-up to yesterday's big news about the uh, offer from Deontay Wilder to uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, one-to-one uh, for $50 million, um, you know, my opinion, I've been giving it a lot of thought. And, and to be honest with you, you know, we talked to, for, the, for the whole show yesterday uh, on that topic. We had uh, Randy Gordon join us. Uh, Alex Papali joined us. We had a lot of uh, uh, different uh, uh, emails sent to me, uh, both uh, uh, that we will read and others that were, uh, uh, you know, private. Um, I got to be honest with you. I would have thought that since the time that the alleged offer was made and right now, so between the, the, the 24 hours that we did this show, I would have thought that it would have been in the news. I, I would have thought that, that that's what everyone in the sport of boxing is talking about. Um, it's not. Uh, I, I, listen, I, I, I gave it some thought, and I, and I said to myself, okay, you know, because I've seen comments from people. You know, you know what bothers me about the sport of boxing? You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I love the sport of boxing. What bothers me, and it's and it's unlike any other sport, it's it's approaching like political views, and what I mean by that is there's so much division when people start talking politics or religion, and it's become the same in the sport of boxing. The division in this sport is so nauseating and obvious. Listen, you're either a the way. The boxing fans today. Now, when my when I was a younger man, uh, you know, I loved a lot of fighters. I disliked some fighters, but at the end of the day, I loved them all because I appreciate and respect what they do. Uh, today, it seems that you are a fan of one fighter and hate every other fighter that's involved with them. And that's what is clearly going on uh, with the Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder situation. You know, I have been accused of being a racist, a non-American, blah, blah, blah. People get on me for, for, for liking Anthony Joshua, and how could I do that? How could I not support an American fighter? And just because I don't like Deontay Wilder, now they forget that, you know, last I looked, you know, Anthony Joshua, Marvin Hagler, uh, you know, Sonny Liston, uh, you know, my oh, Mike Tyson, all my favorite fighters happen to have been black, but yet, because I don't like Deontay Wilder, all of a sudden I'm a racist. I'm an anti-American, I'm a racist. You know, I, no, that's the the um, ignorance of the people that say that kind of stuff, all right? My, my, let me, let me say this. Concerning the Deontay Wilder offer to um, Anthony Joshua, they gave him a 24-hour window to respond. My opinion, Anthony Joshua should respond and accept the offer the same way it was presented. Why doesn't Anthony Joshua send Deontay Wilder an email and say, Hey, Deontay, I accept your $50 million offer. And there we go. Let's see what happens. I mean, listen... The last I knew, there's no such thing as a fight until there's a contract. There's no such thing as a fight until it's scheduled with a commission, until there's names on a contract, until there's ink to the paper.
There's no, there's no fight. There's no contract. So why doesn't Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn respond in the same manner that it was presented to them? That's a 24-hour. They could have done that. Uh, we got our, our, our inside, our, our, our fly-on-the-wall correspondent from the U.K., my man Johnston, and you can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Um, he's got me some uh, some stuff, and first of all, he's he's got me an interview that was uh, actually uh, released uh, seven thirty this morning UK time. Okay, um, with Eddie Hearn, they asked if the fight will happen. Uh, Eddie Hearn says, "I believe it will. I do believe it will happen. The negotiations are opening up now. We've made them an offer." They've made us an offer, okay? So, so he's recognizing the offer, which is more than I would have done because, to be honest with you, unless I have a contract with an offer on it with, with at least a blank spot for me to sign, I don't have an offer. I've been, I've been screwed too many times in this business with, with verbal agreements. He says, uh, there are other models and offers to explore, more details to explore, but at least the conversation's going on. Um, uh, also, Team Anthony Joshua and Team Wilder were scheduled to meet today. Um, there have been rumors, at least on the other side of the pond, that, that uh, uh, Shelly Finkel and Al Heyman have canceled that meeting. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know that for, for a fact. He says, uh, uh, these, uh, this has opened up the negotiations. It has everyone excited. Everyone's talking Will this offer work? Maybe. But until we see the infrastructure of the deal, we don't, we don't know. Is there another model that could work? Perhaps. He says, if the offer carries the right terms, it's in, we're interested. The devil is in the detail, and it's our job to look at the detail. Um, Eddie Hearn did say that he responded to the email that Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder sent. He says, I written back and said, we're interested in this offer. But we can't just rely on an email. We need to see proof that the funds are available. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. He says, for a fighter to send another fighter an email telling him about money is strange. And I found it strange as well. That, that's my opinion. He says, I'm sure it does have some substance. There are decent people behind Wilder who are deeply involved in the sport. But we still have to sit down and talk. If they want $50 million from us, uh, they can have it tonight. So why can't they show us? theirs tonight um you can't expect someone to accept the deal from a personal email from a fighter uh, we have to see a contract terms etc he, he also said that uh according to some inside sources to him this is eddie hearn that he has heard that the dominic brazil against deontay wilder fight is scheduled for june or july it's already signed sealed and delivered that the D, that the wbc has actually told a team uh, why uh, team uh, uh, Joshua that that deal's already in place, which also adds some question marks to this. Um, you know, this is a mandatory fight, but it's not required. So uh, we'll see what happens. Listen, again, after all that he said, she said, I say that uh, Anthony Joshua should respond the same way. Reply to Deontay's uh, email and say, I accept. I accept $50 million guaranteed. I accept. And then let's see what happens. You know, um, one other thing, my man Johnston, and and you know, he he, like I said, this is a this is our fly, our our camouflaged fly on the wall in the UK. He said that, uh, and he sent me a copy 
of the apparent email from Shelley Finkel to Eddie Hearn. Now, this is, uh, uh, you know, uh, alleged. Let's just say alleged. Because even the wording in this, I would not think would have come from a guy as professional as Shelley Finkel is. This is what the email supposedly from Shelley Finkel to Eddie Hearn said. It says, and I quote, this is a quote that I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading the email um, that, that has been provided to me. It's right here. And I don't, uh, you know, I, again, this is all alleged stuff. All right. This is the problem with the internet, right? I mean, you know, somebody does one thing and then, you know, that's the problem with a lot of the young fans today. They believe everything. But uh, anyway, it says, Dear Eddie, with all due respect, you have known Alan myself for a long time, and you know that this is not a publicity stunt. I assure you that we are serious and that we sh would be glad to sit down with you and provide, provide you with proper security for the funding and work out all the details. But it has to start with Anthony Joshua accepting the $50 million offer that he asked for, which is also by far the largest guarantee and largest purse that any heavyweight champion in the history of the sport has ever made. Until then, it'll be, be non-productive for us to meet. Please have Anthony accept the offer that he asked for, and let's get this fight made. And then it's signed, thanks, Shelley. Um, you know, the bottom line is, especially from a guy like Shelly Finkel, uh, I don't understand what you're accepting if you're not looking and accepting a contract. This is the part that, that is a big void for me. If there's not a contract in place, and you're accepting an offer from one fighter to another via an email reply, then why hasn't Anthony Joshua just replied to Deontay Wilder's email and says, I'll accept. I take it. I want it. I'll take $50 million. I said I would take $50 million. I'll take $50 million. Accept it. That's no binding contract. It's not a binding contract offer. It makes no sense. If I am Team Joshua, I have Anthony Joshua himself reply to the personal email that Deontay Wilder sent, and let's see what happens. I mean, it's that simple. You know, and for all the fans out there that criticize me personally uh, for not liking Deontay Wilder, you don't know me. You don't know that I don't like Deontay Wilder. I do. I do like him. I don't like his antics, but I have also said many, many times that, um, you know, it, it, he was forced to, to provide these types of antics because he had no promotion behind him. As far as his management behind him, they seem like they're not looking out for his best interest. But you know what? We'll see what happens. I say this, except via the email. If I'm Anthony Joshua, I reply to Deontay's email and I say, I accept. And let the chips fall as they will. Because let's be real, there's no contract. He's not accept he's accepting a personal offer from Deontay Wilder via an email that says, hey, I'll give you 50 million. 
You, you want to fight me? If I'm Anthony Joshua, I say, yeah. And then I publicize the emails. I send the copies to the emails all throughout whoever wants a copy. Here it is. And see what happens. That You know, making a video, a YouTube video saying that I'm making an offer, that doesn't count, man. Piece of paper, a contract, that's what counts. But you know what? You want to play the game? You want to you wanna get included with this free publicity? I just don't understand why Anthony Joshua hasn't replied to that email and says, I accept. Now, if he does that this morning, will Deontay email him back and say, sorry, you had till the end of yesterday to accept? <laughs> Come on. It, 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 you got to be somewhat intelligent, right? I, it, it, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You got to be intelligent, right? What do you think? Is it legit? I mean, if if I sent you an email and said, hey, I'll give you $50 million to come on this show, would you reply and say, yeah, I'll take it? And then if I never have you on the show, are you able to sue me because of that? I doubt it. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, have we been wrong about Canelo? Because apparently there's new evidence that proves that maybe Canelo was eating tainted meat. He might have eaten some tainted meat. We'll be back in two. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before I went to break, I I, I started talking a little bit about... uh, Canelo Alvarez, and apparently the Nevada State Athletic Commission did request and receive some hair follicles uh, from Canelo and had them tested for the clarambuterol. And according to the results uh, that they took hair samples from Alvarez at the end of March, March 29th. Now remember, he was he he had tested positive. Uh, with a urine test, not once but twice in February. So this was a whole month later. And the whole point of, uh, of testing your hair is that, you know, um, drug use and, and, you know, even diet and everything else r- remains in your hair for, for a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know uh, uh, some substances stay, uh, traces of it stays in your hair uh, for over a year. Um Apparently, they took some hair follicles from uh, Canelo Alvarez on March 29th, sent it to uh, the Sports Medicine Research and Testing Laboratory, which is a WADA, W-A-D-A, accredited uh, laboratory in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, the results came back negative. They came back negative. Alvarez has maintained uh, the whole time that he uh, as is not a cheater, 
and that uh, he tested positive from tainted meat. And uh, according to the uh, laboratory in Salt Lake City uh, and the results of his hair follicles, he's right. So uh, I personally would like to apologize to Canelo. Um, you know, I do seem, I, I do still think it, it was strange. I, I wouldn't even have taken the chance, uh, especially since, uh, you know, that this uh, problem has seemed to, to occur. But uh, I know I was hard, me personally, I know I was hard on Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya. And I do support uh, Triple G. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I didn't want um, Triple G, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, listen, the fight should have happened. Uh, it's a shame it didn't, but you can't blame Triple G. So uh, it is what it is. Um so, all of this discussion about Canelo, maybe uh, he wasn't lying after all. You never know. I mean, uh, we'll have to see. And, again, they they backed away too quickly, which that was a red flag, but uh, it is what it is. But, uh, anyway. Um, there's a bare knuckle. You know, there's been an interesting bare knuckle fight. I, I mean, I wrote my book about Tom Molino. He was, he was born a slave and fought for his freedom. And uh, fought in an era uh, that clearly was uh, was a brutal time uh, for the sport of boxing. Many, many of the fighters didn't even survive uh, to fight another day, uh, let alone make money at it. Um, and yesterday when we had uh, uh, my man Randy on, uh, we were talking about uh, briefly of how, you know, fighters, when I, when I, gave, when I gave my uh, offer or my idea of a purse split for uh, AJ and, and Deontay, you know, 45-35, 45 to AJ, 35% to Deontay, and 20% to the winner. Um, I mentioned that in the bare-knuckle days, they would put the money up. They would get the money, uh, you know, up front, and the money would be held in basically like an escrow account. They didn't call it that. but And uh, the winner, you know, both sides has to put up the money. The winner gets both, you know, both pots, gets the pot of money. The loser gets ugats, gets nothing. And what they used to do is is literally, literally pass around a hat at ringside and collect some money from the fans to throw uh, the loser's way. Um, my idea of 45-35 split, 20% going to the winner, um, you know, kind of, kind of, to me, says, hey, you know, and you can make the argument one guy deserves a bigger percentage than the other, whatever. Uh, but it shows me that the fighters, the pressure's on the fighters. Hey, put up or shut up, man. Back up all your, your, your talk, both of them. Back up your talk. 20%'s going to go to you if you win. We're not even saying that you got to knock them out. Just win. Just win, baby. Like Al Davis used to say for the Raiders. Just win, baby. You know? Anyway. Bare knuckle fighting. It's been happening. It was there was a whole uh, circuit, uh, underground circuit, illegal. Uh, took place uh, takes place in in, in uh, almost every large city in the United States. is very prominent in England uh, as well, but it's never been sanctioned recently. Uh, Bobby Gunn uh, claims to be the linear uh, bare knuckle boxing champion. He fought uh, several years ago uh, in a bare knuckle boxing event. Uh, and, uh, and and got that title. He's 44 years old now. But we'll check this out. In Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming, 
you expect a, a, a gunfight at the OK Corral. I, I mean, I know the OK Corral's not there, but uh, um, they are putting on a bare-knuckle boxing event, um, which is going to be, guess what, a pay-per-view event, uh, $29.95, uh, under the Wyoming Combat Sports Commission, which is, if you recall, Wyoming is the state that they let... Um, uh, I don't even want to say alleged, but uh, AIDS, uh, Tommy Morrison fight there um, without doing blood tests or anything. And I, th- I believe that was actually his last uh, combat, let's call it that, in the ring. Um, anyway, they're putting on this event. It's uh, uh, going to be taking place June 2nd in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, they are scheduling 12 bare-knuckle fights, including Paul Spatafora, who's 42 years old now. This guy was only beaten once, 49 wins, one loss, one, one draw. He was a former champion, has been, you know, gotten himself into some trouble or what have you. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, and I mentioned Bobby Gunn. Well, guess what? 44-year-old Bobby Gunn, he's going to be fighting as well. Uh, they have uh, a couple other guys uh, signed up, uh, some young fighters, Sam uh, Shoemakers, 3-0, and a heavyweight out of Missouri. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, anytime that I see the, that kind of thing, I, uh, I get interested. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, and we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us. And uh, Dax and I will be giving you our uh, breakdowns and predictions uh, on the uh, the, I picked five major fights that that we're going to do uh, this weekend. You know, fights that are scheduled for this weekend. Um, but uh, but in any event, bef- before I uh, go to break, I just want to say this: Tyson Fury, who's you know signed now with uh, with Warren, and you know he's uh, going to be making his comeback. Uh, he's scheduled to fight uh, in June, June 9th, although no opponent's been made. He's been calling out all the top best fighters, uh, including AJ and Deontay. Uh, I doubt that, you know, legitimately he would be allowed to even fight one of those guys until he, he can demonstrate that he still possesses what he used to possess. He technically uh, is the linear heavyweight champ, if you want to put value in that anymore, which I don't because of what has happened to the uh, divisions in the sport. But technically he is. Technically he's still undefeated. Technically he's still a young guy. He's not even 30 yet. You know, so, uh, you know, Fury is definitely a player if he gets back into the ring and takes this seriously. And he says he is. He says that he's in great shape and he is mentally sound and, and back ready to fight. And he says, who does he credit for this? Deontay Wilder. And why does he credit Deontay Wilder? Because of all the nasty things that Deontay Wilder said about him. And Tyson Fury said this, and I quote, It was Deontay Wilder who spurred me on and gave me the ambition to make a return to the ring. He said, I couldn't do it. Definitely not. Tyson Fury is done. That's what Deontay was saying. He said, I was walking along the canal with my dog, and at the time I thought, I'm a big fat pig. Look at me. I felt like jumping into the canal and drowning. I thought I would turn this around and come back and knock him out, meaning Deontay Wilder. Uh, I believe I could tie one hand behind my back and beat him and 
AJ. Um, he's always been a guy that uh, was never short on uh, smack talk, you know. Uh, but we'll see. One hand tied behind him back, beating Deontay or AJ. Eh, I doubt that. I doubt that very much. Uh, but uh, in any event, hey, listen, I got five fights that I'm going to break down and give you my predictions. But no way, there's more. Because I'm not going to be the only one that breaks them down. I'm going to break them down, give a prediction, and then we will have um, my man uh, uh, Dax Khan uh, give us his prediction uh, on the same fight. Now, that's going to be coming up uh, in about uh, uh, two minutes because right now it's that time again. I'm going to take a short break. And like I said, when we come back, we'll break down uh, the five, at least the five major fights that uh, – I think, in about two minutes. Billy C. will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking about being with us, joining me right now uh, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Mr. Billy C. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing well, other than the fact that Alex's landscapers woke me up at 6.30 this morning. Hey, it's about time you rolled out of bed. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, let's break down the fights. Uh, what I'm going to do is... Uh, I didn't get a chance to do it yet myself, so we're going to do it together. So uh, I picked five <laughs> fights, and uh, I will uh, uh, give my breakdown first, and then we'll listen to yours, and we'll go right through. I got the five fights that uh, uh, I want to do just so uh, I know we didn't get a chance to chat. So Dax and I are kind of doing this on the fly, which uh, uh, you know I didn't fill him in on what he was doing. So uh, the Magladeno, uh dogbo fight, the Jennings, the Wedgeco fight, the Lopez-Cruz fight, Danny Jacobs, Saluki, and uh, Jarrell Baby Miller against Duopaz, not in that order. I'm not going to even talk about the Durrell fight. Uh, the Durrell brothers, to me, are, are bad for the sport, plus it's not even a real fight. So uh, I'm going to blow right past that. So I apologize in advance to you, Dax, <clears throat> excuse me, if that was one of the fights you uh, had on your radar. But uh, uh, mine, <clears throat> but, you know. The first, the first one, the first one we're going to talk about, uh, Jesse Magladane. Actually, the uh, undercard uh, of uh, of that is uh, Brian Jennings against uh, Joey Dewedgeko. Uh, th that's a heavyweight, and because the heavyweight division is hot right now, I'm going to I'm going to talk about that one second. So, first one, Jesse Magladane against Miguel Cruz. Uh, I'm sorry. The very first fight I want to do is Miguel Cruz against Josito Lopez. Uh, that's actually the uh, the first fight that I wanted to talk about. Um, in this fight, uh, Miguel Cruz is undefeated, 17-0 with 11 knockouts. 
Uh, he's 27 years old, seven years younger than Josito Lopez. He's five foot eleven, an inch and a half taller than Lopez, and his arm reach. Five. We're going to see today when we break down these fights. It's, there's several fights where the arm reach is outrageous uh, difference, and in this case, is a five inch difference between Miguel Cruz and Josito Lopez. Um, uh, Cruz is 74 inch. Lopez is uh, 69 inch. When I look at Miguel Cruz, I see his last six fights. Uh, last six fights were all against good opposition. Uh, you know, he's got uh, wins over. Uh, uh, Virgil Green, uh, Samuel uh, Figueroa, Alex Martin, uh, Ali Mamadov, uh, and uh, Alex Martin, and, and in his last fight, David Grayton. All decent fighters for a guy who's got 17 fights, you know. Uh, all of them uh, have uh, had good records, 11-3, 10-0, 13-0, 11-3, 13-1, 15-1, and 1, and 1, respectively. Uh, so, you know, this is uh, one of those fights for Miguel Cruz where... They're testing him. Now, the ironic thing about this fight is that Josito Lopez is being brought in because of the location of the fight as the A-side. And when I take a look at Josito Lopez, uh, he's 34 years old. That kind of crept up on us pretty quickly. He's a former world title challenger. But in my opinion, both title challenges were outside of his weight class. He he challenged for the welterweight title and the junior middleweight title. Um, he is uh, five foot nine and a half, sixty nine inch reach. He's got his record: thirty five wins, nineteen by knockout, seven losses in which he was knocked out three times by Andre Berto, Maidana, and uh, Canelo Alvarez. He's got almost a hundred and seventy more rounds of experience over Cruz. He's got two hundred and forty nine rounds. Um, his last fight was over a year ago, so he's not ranked. Miguel Cruz, uh, he's, uh, uh, his fight, uh, I don't have his uh, ranking, but his last fight was uh, in uh, November. Um, when I look at uh, Josito Lopez, this guy's been in tough a lot. His uh, three knockout losses, Andre Berto, he stopped in six. Uh, Marcos Maidana stopped in six. And uh, again, Saul Alvarez stopped in five. But he was giving up a lot of size. His biggest win, I think, in his career was against Victor Ortiz. Um, he also uh, uh, had a, a big fight at the time, and a win was against Mike Dallas Jr. back in 2011. He also beat a once-beaten Patrick Lopez back in 2009 and Tyrone Harris back in 2007, but that was a long time ago. Um, Josito Lopez, a very exciting fighter, 34 years old, a lot of mileage on this guy up and down in weight. Uh, I believe that this fight is going to be taking place at welterweight. I don't know, Dax, as much as I love... Uh, I, you know what? I'm a loyal guy. I'm I'm picking Josito Lopez. I, I just... I, I love his style. And I, as long as he's what he used to be, he's going to give Cruz some trouble. But uh, I'm sure you're going more with, uh, uh, you know, reality than I am. And you're probably going to pick the other way. But how do you like the... How do you see it? Do you even need me here? <laughs> Who are you picking? <laughs> you know, Lopez, like you said, yeah, you know, he's been in with the better names uh, in and around his weight class. Uh, you know, he is exciting. You know, the Monica, River, the Riverside Rocky, you know, fits him. Um, of course, you know, in his biggest fights, as you stated, you know, he lost and he lost in big ways. Uh, the stoppage to Marcus Maidana, Canelo Alvarez, that was the fight he was awarded when he was brought in as an opponent for Victor Ortiz, um, uh, Andre Berto in his most recent stoppage. Uh, since the Berto stoppage in 2015, he's been rather inactive, fighting less than stellar opposition. I think uh, Saul Corral was 
24 and 8 in uh, top manual, 12, 11, and 1. Neither guy had a win over anybody of note. Uh, Miguel Cruz, far from as accomplished, um, nowhere near the level of competition as Lopez, but you brought up a very interesting point. You know, in his last five fights against David Creighton, Alex Martin twice, uh, Ali uh, Mamadov, and uh, Samuel Figueroa, those last five opponents, Bill, had the combined record of 62-5. and five. He also fought three times in 2017 and has fought once in 2018. This is, uh, you know, a toss-up. You never know what version of Lopez is going to come into the ring, but it's inactivity and the fact that he went to distance in his last two fights against those guys of such a lower caliber, you know, uh, makes me think that, you know, guys he probably would have, you know, blown out three or four fights ago, maybe one or two or wars ago, however you want to put it. So, yes, I'm going to have to go with the freshman Miguel Cruz, who's had a great run and has momentum. I think um, Jose Cito Lopez was his best at 140 pounds. His only real loss to a significant name then was uh, Jesse Vargas, when Jesse Vargas was still on his way up. And, you know, despite some mediocre success above 147 and maybe to the low 150s. Um, I don't know why he hasn't dropped back down. Maybe the money is better even being uh, as a B-side or maybe he just can't make the weight anymore. I don't know. But, you know, if he loses to Cruz and especially if he loses to Cruz in a, um, you know, very one-sided fashion or, or is knocked out, you know, more or less, Josito Lopez is going to be a, um, he's going to fit that mold of the uh, go-to um, look-good opponent from now on inside his career. Yeah, this very well may be his last shot, Dax, because like I said, he, he's he's thirty four years old, and uh, he's been in a lot of wars. So you would, and he's been out for you know slightly over a year. So you'd have to assume that this might be his last uh, hurrah. But uh, the next fight, Jesse Magladeno putting his title on the line against the interim title holder in Isaac Dogbo. Um, Isaac Dogbo, twenty three years old. He's four years younger. You know, they, 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 when I when I was. You know, getting ready for this segment, I, you know, I've, I've always thought of Magladenio as a young fighter, and all of a sudden I realized that Dogbo is even younger than him, four years younger at 23 years old. He's ranked at number six in the world at Super Bantamweight. He is the interim uh, WBO Super Bantamweight champion. He's five foot two, two inches shorter uh, than his opponent. He's undefeated, 18 and over, 12 knockouts. Uh, unfortunately for me, the only name that is on his resume that you know, I give credit to only because of, uh, that I know the guy uh, is Cesar Juarez, and that was his last fight in January. He does have some impressive wins over impressive-looking fighters, but I just haven't seen enough of uh, Dogbo to uh, uh, to really give a, a, a strong opinion on him. Uh, now, when I look at Jesse Magladeno, there's a guy that I have seen and know uh, about, uh, you know, not only do I know him personally, he, he's been on, he was on our show uh, when we were in Vegas, he's uh, a good, a, a good fighter, I, you know, he's he's got a good team behind him, uh, he is uh, 27 years old, like I said, four years older, uh, two inches uh, taller, their uh, reach at 66 is the same, he is the WBO Super Bantamweight champion, he's been out for slightly over a year, but he's got some good wins under his belt. Nonito Donaire, Ray Perez, uh, Raul Herales, uh, Roberto Castaneda. All good wins for Jesse Magladeno. I like his style when he's uh, uh, letting his hands go. Uh, he can be difficult to hit. I like the fight. Honestly, I don't know enough about Dogbo. Therefore, I'm picking my man Jesse Magladeno. What's your thoughts, Dax? You know, both these guys are small even for this division. Dogbo 5'2 and uh, Jesse uh, Magdaleno 5'4. 
I mean, even in this division, no, that you know, that's small. Um, you know, Jesse, of course, has the better resume, no question, you know, just even if uh, Nonino Donaire alone was the uh, only uh, name on the resume you'd know, it would be better than the names on the resume of Dogbo that, you know, that anybody would know off the top of their heads. You know, Dogbo has uh, mostly names from uh, other parts of the globe you've never heard of, but yeah, he wins his fights in dominant fashion. Uh, the only real uh, footage I've seen of him are some uh, fights that have been put out there uh, by uh, promoters and by fans and, um, you know, some promotional footage but, you know, his last seven opponents all have winning records, and he has not faced an opponent coming in off a loss in his last six fights, which for a guy who only has 18 fights, that says a lot. Even the 18 fights now in this era, we see guys, um, you know, fighting uh, opponents who have lost four of the last five as they're building them up. But, you know, Dogwell doesn't have quite that opportunity or luxury considering of where he's from and the promoter behind him. You know, on paper, it looks like Magdaleno should uh, win this easily because of that little-known resume of Dogwell and because Magdaleno technically seems like, you know, he's the better fighter and he has the better names. But I think people are going to be really surprised at the pressure that dog bowl brings. And, you know, they're going to realize that maybe, you know, the resume isn't always what it seems. You know, I think dog is going to shock everyone and, you know, come in there with that pressure and his all out style. And um, he's going to uh, catch even Jesse Magdaleno off guard. And I think we're going to have a new WBO Super uh, Bantamweight champion come Saturday. Wow, so you're picking Dogbo, huh? I am picking Dogbo. I just don't think Jesse Magdaleno has ever faced anybody who applies the pressure of an Isaac Dogbo. And Isaac Dogbo is a guy that really has nothing to lose. Um, you know, we really have to, no pun intended, bring the dog out in him because this is probably the biggest opportunity of his life and he's never going to get an opportunity like this again. And even if he looks dangerous and makes his fight close, losing, you know, nobody's going to go around this guy again. You know, they're just going to have him go back, you know, to Ghana and let him resume where he's going, uh, you know, more or less how um, it was with, um, uh, you know, the, the guy at 140 pounds, you know, my, my head is uh, frozen here right now. The, um, uh, the, the guy, the one that Terrence Crawford uh, just beat and the one that uh, just lost to uh, Regis Progray. Oh, uh, right. The champion. Right, 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 right. I, I know who you're talking about. I, I, I should be embarrassed. That, tall, that, uh, tall, I, I, tall, lank, tall, lanky fighter that uh, got stopped. No, no, but, you know, he was the guy that was always brought in, you know, because the resume looked good, and but, you know, he went around shocking everybody. But he won, right. He won up until he faced TC, but... Uh, right, right. Anyway. Yeah, that, you know, and I think, uh, like I said, Dogbo, even if he looks good, that's a guy, that, you know, is going to hurt his career. So he's going to have to make the most of this, and I think uh, everybody's going to be shocked, including Jesse Magdaliano. The next fight we're going to uh, talk about and predict is the heavyweight fight uh, on this card. And the only reason why I, I, I'm given this priority, or at least not priority, but picking it second rather than the main event is because it's a heavyweight, and the heavyweights uh, uh, are, are in the front row right now. So uh, Joey DeWedgeco, um, he's 27 years old, six years younger than Bryant Jennings. Uh, he's ranked at number 61 in the heavyweight division right now. Uh, he's five foot ten. He's given up a five-inch disadvantage to uh, uh, Jennings, and the reach is unbelievable. Uh, Joey's got a 70-inch reach, 14 inches he's given up, if the statistics on box rec are correct. Um, his record, 19 wins, 11 coming by knockout, four losses with a, uh, with, uh, that in which he was stopped once, and he's got four draws. One of the draws was against Jarrell Baby Miller back in 2013. He also has a win over uh, heavyweight uh, uh, contender or... or uh, one-time contender Derek Rossi um, but aside from that um, 
and I got to call a couple of his fights. I have a funny story about the fight in 2012 uh, from Chicago and the plane ride back. Uh, we'll tell that some other time. But when I look at Joey DeWedgeco at 5'10 and his physique, you know, he's coming in around 242 pounds. Um, this is a guy that actually possesses some really good boxing skill. He's got a great jab. Uh, he can move around in a ring for a guy his size. But personally, I always thought that he would have been much better if he could lose the weight because he does kind of look roly-poly and maybe fight in a different weight class, like maybe even cruiserweight. I think that he would have been much more successful for whatever the reasons are, he has maintained and stayed in the heavyweight division. Um, I don't know how far a guy like Joey DeWedge could could go, even if he started getting a lot better. Uh, he steps in the ring with a guy that I absolutely loved at one point in Bryant Jennings. He's a former world title challenger, uh, title uh, challenged of Vladimir Klitschko for his belts uh, back in 2015. Uh, did well, lasted, went 12 rounds with Klitschko. Uh, but in his very next fight, one that I was ringside for, he fought Luis Ortiz and was brutally knocked out, uh, and he was never the same, or at least his team changed, and they've been uh, protecting him ever since. His last three fights were against Cupcakes, in my opinion, Daniel Martz, Don Haysworth, and Akira uh, Muralamov. Uh, but he does have wins prior to the Klitschko and Ortiz fights against Mike Perez, Spitzka, uh, Andre Fedosov, in case you guys forgot, was a ESPN heavyweight uh, 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 tournament guy, uh, and Bowie Tatupu. Uh, Bryant Jennings uh, is ranked number 33 in the world at heavyweight, a pretty big drop since his uh, uh, title challenge. Like I said, he's got a 14-inch uh, reach advantage. Uh, his record, 22 wins, 13 by knockout, two losses in which the only stoppage uh, came by uh, Clint, uh, Ortiz. Um, I like Brian Jennings. I've always said that Brian Jennings was a style of a, a combination style of uh, Michael Spinks and uh, Evander Holyfield. He comes in, he's awkward, he throws punches, he's got, he's always in good shape. Um, I, I can't see him having any kind of trouble with Joey DeWedgeco. I think he's going to outbox him, and I think he's going to stop him. I'm picking Brian Jennings. What's your thoughts? You know, it's an interesting fight. Um, even though uh, Joey Dueco doesn't seem like um, appearance-wise that he's in shape, but he really is. Um, you know, uh, Joey Dueco is comparable sort of to Andy Ruiz Jr., you know, a guy who can go a full 12 rounds, and he can go at it hard even though he looks like that he had just came off the buffet line. Um, you know, I always think of him like uh, two guys in uh, MMA, um, Roy, uh, Big Country Nelson and Mark Hunt, guys who have, you know, the, these big bellies, you know, there's really no muscle uh, tone to them, but let me tell you, they're tough, they're strong, and they can keep going for that whole distance and, and nonstop. I mean, they can really keep a fast pace more than a lot of these guys that look like they're, they're in much better shape. You know, um, you know, the, the, Joey, you know, he's a tough guy. He can box. He has no wins over names you can recognize, really. But his chin is sturdy. His only stoppage loss was to Charles Martin, uh, who's a big puncher, and that's when Charles Martin was uh, really on, on a fast rise, a fast track, uh, going towards that IBF title win. He took some monster punches from Amir Mansour and stayed upright somehow before uh, losing the decision. You know, Jennings, of course, has faced better competition. His losses to Vladimir Klitschko and Luis Ortiz, as you mentioned, were fights where he was doing well. Uh, and the Klitschko loss, despite a wide decision. He really had Vladimir Klitschko um, trying, you know, to more or less hunting him down than actually uh, getting in any work. Against Ortiz, he did well early until uh, Ortiz landed those big shots in round seven that put Jennings on Queer Street. Uh, why he has uh, stepped down in competition since then, 
who knows? You know what? When you when you take uh, two losses back to back like that against uh, fighters at the you know near or at the top of the division, well, Klitschko certainly was because he was the uh, the undisputed champion. But then you know you get knocked out in such a devastating fashion against the Luis Ortiz. You know maybe that sort of uh, put a uh, dent inside of his um, confidence. And you know for this era, he's a small heavyweight. Uh, Brian Jennings would have been a uh, perfect size heavyweight of the 1980s. But you know what? This is the era of supersized heavyweights. Um, look for this to be very much like the Jennings versus uh, Mike Perez fight where Jennings wins the decision, but he finds himself wondering why this guy won't take a step backwards and why do I have to work so hard to outbox him? You know, I think Joey Dueco is going to be there all night. He's going to surprise Brian Jennings at a time. It's not going to be a dull fight, but I think Brian Jennings wins the decision in the end. The next fight is a heavyweight fight. Uh, Jarrell Baby Miller against Johan Duapaz. Uh, Johan Duapaz, former world title challenger. Uh, we saw him challenge Deontay Wilder and gave Deontay Wilder some trouble. Not that he was, uh, you know, uh, keeping Deontay Wilder on his back foot, but this guy has a granite chin. I, I couldn't believe the punishment that this guy took. And quite honestly, he came from nowhere and stepping in the ring with Deontay Wilder. Uh, went 11 rounds till they stopped it. Remember, this was a TKO stoppage. He didn't even go down. It should have been stopped. He was being pummeled. Uh, he does have a win over Manuel Char. Manuel Char, uh, right now, uh, is the WBA... Regular. Regular. Okay, I was I was about to say, wait a minute, is he the interim? Or, I knew he's got a belt. But Manuel Char is the regular world champion for the WBA. Uh, and um, uh, Johan Duapaz has a win over him. It was a close fight uh, in 2015. He's also got a win over Robert Helinas. Um, and in his last six fights, he was uh, five wins, four coming by knockout, and one loss. This is since the Deontay Wilder fight, and that loss came at the hands of Alexander Povetkin, who knocked him out uh, in six rounds, a knockout, uh, which uh, gives uh, uh, a little uh, uh, credence to Povetkin still having some pop because uh, Deontay Wilder could not knock out, do a pause. I mean, he got the TKO, but uh, didn't knock him out cold the way Povetkin did. Uh, Johan Duapaz, very slow. He, he's a limited guy. He's ranked number 14 in the world uh, as a heavyweight. He's six foot five, 82 and a half inch reach. He steps in the ring with Jarrell Baby Miller. Now, Jarrell Baby Miller, in, in, in my opinion, is shockingly rated at number eight in the world by the computer. The WBC does not have him rated, but he's ranked at number three in the other three top sanctioning bodies, the WBO, the IBF, and the WBA, which is just, it's shocking to me. Six foot four, a 20 and 0 guy with 18 knockouts and one draw against Joey Dwedjko. Uh Hasn't even fought 100 rounds yet. His biggest win to date, I got to be honest with you, uh, I think it's Gerald Washington. Aside from Gerald Washington, the guy has fought nobody. If you want to give him some credit against Donovan Dennis, fine. Give him some credit against him. But no one else, including Maurice Wach, was anyone of note for this guy to be uh, ranked as high as he does. Yes, he's got some hand speed. Yes, he's busy. He hasn't been tested. It's going to be interesting to see the fight against Duapaz. Not that I think that Duapaz is going to be able to do much damage, um, but he takes a lot of damage. Will Jarrell Baby Miller tire himself out? Listen, I don't know if Miller's going to win by stoppage. I'll be rooting uh, for Duapaz, but I'm picking Jarrell Miller by a decision. What's your thoughts on this fight? Well, first off, I just want to say I stress the words regular when it comes to WBA champions because 
I think, you know, if you don't stress that, maybe, you know, you're putting some unfair pressure on these guys, you know, um, you know, with so many things, you know, they're, they're sitting there, you know what, what if they think I'm the super champion? Should I change my outfit? Maybe I shouldn't just wear this. Should I come out there like a super champion looking fighter? This is an era where you got to look good. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I should, you know, change my music. Is this music a little bit, you know, too much for a regular champion? Or maybe it's not good enough for a regular champion. You know, I don't want to come out there seeming arrogant. I don't want to overstep my bounds. So you have to stress regular, you know, something sports hard enough as it is. And, you know, with that many belts, you don't want to put added pressure onto a guy now onto the fight you know Dupas is a guy that every time um, I see in action I think you know where was this guy at 25 how would he have done with a um, the right trainer and team behind him because as you stated you know he's got a great chin he can box um, his power is underrated um, he's 6 foot 5 with an 82 inch reach you know so he's uh, the right size for today's heavyweight division those two stoppage losses, as you mentioned, to Alexander Povetkin and Deontay Wilder, how he took that punishment from Deontay Wilder is beyond me. I agree. That's a fight that should have been stopped. And Alexa- Alexander Povetkin, you know, he, uh, he's a guy, you know, who's small for uh, this era of heavyweights, but, you know, he's compact. He can box. And he always has had that, you know, that big uh, that big hook that really puts the guy's lights out. You know, um, you know, uh, he has a uh, uh, dual has wins over Manuel Char. Um he has a win over Robert Hellanius. You know, they're, they're two quality wins. Um, Jarrell Miller, he's big. He can box. He has surprising stamina. You know, Marius Walk, I actually think, is his uh, best opponent, his best win, uh, only simply because of how Walk was able to last, uh, you know, go that distance with uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Um, you know, Jarrell Miller seems like he's a KO machine uh, because of that uh, that size, that weight, and the fact that he has that low center of gravity. It's really hard to push him around the ring. Um, he fights off the ropes rather well. Uh, but, you know, I also think that he has had the right kind of opponents, of course, sort of uh, to help him get up the ladder where he is. And I think uh, Johan Duopas is exactly another one of those guys. I think Miller gets the win. And um, maybe by stoppage, maybe not. We'll have to see. That will all depend on whether or not Duopas, you know, uh, walks in there and foolishly uh, allows himself to get caught. You know, it could just be one of those uh, very boring fights that goes to distance where neither guy really gets a lot of work done. You know, but in uh, my opinion, you know, as far as uh, Jarrell Miller, I think, you know, Jarrell Miller, once he steps up against these bigger guys that have the power and that are able to push him back, we're going to actually see the real Jarrell Miller. And we're going to see that, you know, this is a very uh, basic limited guy who doesn't have the ability to hang with these top heavyweights. What fight I would actually like to see is Jarrell Big Baby Miller against Trevor Bryant and that guy right there going to that next stratosphere. Um, Hey, Dax, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're starting to run out of time, so we're going to finish this up. And uh, the the last fight is the the one I'm looking forward to the most. Daniel Jacobs against uh, uh, I, I think how do you, how do you uh, uh, Masik Saluki? How, how do you pronounce his name? Majeki Saleki. Majeki Saleki. Majeki Saleki. Okay. Matthew, uh, you know I I really you know the the I I hear some I've heard people pronounce his first name so many different ways. So you know I just call him Saleki. All right, Saleki and uh, Jacobs. They had a couple of uh, uh, comments yesterday. Thanks, to Daniel Jacobs. Thanks to Matchroom Boxing for giving me the platform and to HBO for believing in me. After a controversial decision, he was referring to Triple G. I'm excited to face Saluki, uh, and you know, with a victory, bigger fights happen. Saluki says this is a big fight for me. It's a big, it's a best test. I know how good Danny is. I'm strong. I'm fast. I'm ready to win. I've had a good camp. Uh, and uh, I'm ready to treat the U.S. fans to a good fight. Now, when I look at Saluki, Saluki, uh, whatever, uh, and I apologize in advance, uh, some of these uh, Polish names are very hard for me. I can't even pronounce my name. But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, is he's ranked number four in the world at junior middleweight. My big hang-up with these top 
top-notch fighters, and Daniel Jacobs could very arguably be the top middleweight in the world, when they seek out a smaller man. Daniel Jacobs is not only a big guy for a middleweight, he's going to be way bigger than Saluki in the ring. You'll see a difference between this. But nonetheless, uh, he is a, a, a decent fighter by record, 26-0 and 0 with 10 knockouts, 155 rounds, 38% knockout uh, ratio. Uh, he does have uh, uh, some wins against uh, some decent op op opponents. Hugo Centeno Jr., Remember what I said about the uh, Charlo win last week. This was a super, uh, I'm sorry, a junior middleweight. Uh, and uh, he's got a win over him. Jack Colke, win over him. Uh, good fighters. Um, you know, the bottom line is this guy is a good fighter in the junior middleweight division. He's stepping up and he's fighting arguably the best, if not the best, uh, top three middleweight of the world, in the world. Daniel Jacobs, former world champion. Uh, his Triple G fight was impressive. Yes, he hit the deck, but many people thought that not only was it close, but he won the fight. He followed that with a 12-round uh, uh, boxing clinic against Luis Arias. He fought smart. I saw a difference in, in Daniel Jacobs. He seems to uh, be fighting a little smarter. He's got wins over Peter Quillen, Sergio Mora, Khalid Truex, Gerard Fletcher. Uh, you know, all decent fighters. Uh, this guy's the real deal. He's got pop. He's got speed. He's got uh, he's got the right personality. He's not a, a loudmouth. He lets his performance in the ring speak for itself. This is a no-brainer for me, Dax. I'm picking Danny Jacobs to look very good tomorrow night. What's your thoughts? Well, first, just to clear up the junior middleweight uh, issue. You know, uh, Selecki's only had two fights at junior middleweight. Um, those were within the last couple of years, and he really trained himself. You know, this is a guy who's fought more than a handful of times at super middleweight. So, you know, he's and uh, pretty much his whole career he's he's fought at middleweight. So, you know, he, he's not a junior middleweight at all. You know, but he is a um, he's a fast guy. He's not huge, but, you know, he, he's a big guy. He's well over six feet tall. He, he has, a, you know, a solid uh, reach, I think 68 inches. He's not a big puncher, but, you know, he's a valiant puncher, and he applies a lot of pressure. Um, you know, he has that stoppage win over Hugo Santana Jr., but I think uh, Jamal Charlo, who's also a big guy and a big puncher, you know, kind of reinforces Santana Jr. and his chin are not exactly stellar. You know, he does have a win over Jack Colke uh, in a fight where, you know, he did drop down in weight, you know, who can box, but also lacks big-time power. So, you know, I think that sort of speaks to uh, the underrated boxing ability of Slowecki. But Daniel Jacobs, as you stated, is one, two, even three weight classes above him. And, you know, there is a very good case that Danny Jacobs is the top middleweight in, in the world. You know, the Luis Arias fight, that was an interesting fight simply because I think Daniel Jacobs could have put Arias out of there at any point in time. But Arias talked a lot beforehand. And Daniel Jacobs, he fought a smart fight, but I think he also kind of embarrassed Arias intentionally a little bit in that fight just because he talked so much. You know, it was more or less, you know, one of those, uh, you know what, I'm the man, you're the boy, and this is how it is. And, and more or less, that's how that fight went. You know, but his fights against uh, Sergio Mora, uh, Caleb Chuao, Peter Quillen, and the list goes on and on. Danny Jacobs has been dominant. Danny Jacobs can beat you one of two ways. He can box with you. He can box with the best. Or if you want to slug it out with Danny Jacobs, you know, that has proven to a lot of guys to be the biggest mistake. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, I think that is why that KO streak ended because once Gennady Golovkin felt the power of Daniel Jacobs, you know, he realized, you know what, this is a guy you don't want to stand there and trade punches with. So Daniel Jacobs should win this rather easily. Um, I have to agree with you. There's no, nothing really even to debate in this. One thing I want to say, though, you know, is Daniel Jacobs, as time passes, Bill, 
I think Daniel Jacobs, to me, is one of the best representatives of the sport. You know, he uh, made that power move by uh, leaving uh, the PBC stable and going over to Matchroom Boxing. Daniel Jacobs, you know, he's very conscious of what he says. Uh, he never goes out there and um, is arrogant. He never goes out there and talks a lot. He never goes out there and sells himself up. He never goes out there and says anything inappropriate. And he's very... Um, very open about the fact that, you know, I'm a father, I have a son, and, you know, even though we don't sign up for this, or a lot of guys say we don't sign up for this to be role models, you know, fact of the matter is, I know there's kids out there that, you know, may look up to me and they mimic me, and, you know, anything I do, they're going to copy, so by me, especially as a father and a professional, by going out there and not conducting myself properly, you know, that's encouraging these kids to go out there and not conduct themselves properly, whether or not they're a professional fighter, or whether or not, no matter what they're doing inside uh, inside their life, so, you know, you have to have respect for Daniel Jacobs, and I can't can't wait to see what happens with him next, and hopefully the fight between Daniel Jacobs and Billy Joe Saunders gets made while everybody else is going around doing what they're doing. Dax, great job as usual. We'll catch you. Uh, actually, there's no show on Monday, so we'll catch you on Tuesday uh, with your uh, thoughts on all these fights, my man. All right, now, now you're sure you need me on Tuesday. Are you just going to do it for me again? We'll see you on Tuesday, Dax. Come on, man. All right, come bro, on. come on. All right, my man. Have a good one. That's Dax Khan. You can check him out. Uh, on our uh, website. Listen, I know I'm over the time. I got to take a break. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, joining us right now. He doesn't even know what kind of questions I'm going to be asking him. But joining us right now is uh, Alex Papali. No, he doesn't. Hey, he hey what's up, man? <laughs> Jeez, what, what have you been up? What have you been up all night? What did you just roll out of bed? Come on, man. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I had, I had, yeah, I had an awful day yesterday. Right after I got the show, right after we did the show, I. I Got sick, and I had a, spent the entire day with stomach virus. It was awful. I, I tutored little kids, you know, in reading. And on Tuesday, this kid vomited. And um, I won, I must have got something. And it was hell. I was in hell all day yesterday. Those little kids are the worst carries. Hey, you know, you should, you should reach out to Floyd. Maybe you should teach him how to read a little bit too, huh? <laughs> hey, yeah, maybe he could sign up. Yeah, you know. Well, he doesn't. Can he sign? He, he just puts his ex. He on. must be able to sign. Yeah, he's got to be. Able, he's got to be able to sign checks. He learned how to sign. But uh, anyway, let me ask you real quickly uh, about the fights that are scheduled, because then um, some of the other uh, uh, things I wanted to discuss real quick with you. But um, I'm just going to ask you real quick a, a couple of these fights. Uh, I, I picked five that we just broke down and gave our predictions to. But um, Jesse Magladeno against Isaac Dogbo. Uh, I picked Jesse Macledano, and Dax came up and 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 picked uh, Dogbo. 
Who who do you like in this fight and why? Um, I have a feeling this fight could be the thriller of the weekend. Um, I don't. I've never seen Dogbo. Um, he's undefeated, which is always great. He's from Ghana, which um, anyone who's been a boxing fan knows that uh, some serious badasses come out of uh, uh, Ghana boxing. Um, but no, I I I like Jesse Magdaleno. I think he's um, been you know tried and tested. Uh, but I do have a feeling that he's um, he's in for a tough fight just because, uh, you know, the guy's undefeated. He's never known how to loss. And um, uh, in general, guys from Ghana, uh, you know, bring it. Uh, what was that? I think Teddy Atlas used to say that uh, they um, one of the things that was common in Ghana was when people would bring back the fish. Uh, you would, in order to get a piece of fish for your family, you had to win a fight. So uh, anybody who grew up with that kind of thing is no slouch. Um, I, I don't know. I think that could be the uh, the um, the sleeper uh, thriller of the weekend. Either that or uh, newspaper boys. They were pretty badass. Too. That's right. Newspaper <laughs> boys. Uh, um, no, I would say dog. But I mean, it's, I would say Magdalena wins a decision in a very tough fight. Um. The next fight I want to ask you about is a fight that um, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it only because I know Joey Duedgeco personally, and I love watching Brian Jennings fight. Jennings against Duedgeco, Uh both Dax and myself uh, picked Jennings, and I don't think it's going to be a, a, a tough win for Jennings, but what's your thoughts on that one? Yes, I, I'm with uh, with you on that. I think Brian Jennings wins. Um, I, I would say Jennings doesn't hit that hard. Um, so I don't know if it'll be a knockout, but um, I, I think I'm going to go with a knockout. I, I'll say uh, ninth round TKO. Um, the next fight, uh, one of my favorite fighters is fighting again. Maybe it's a little too much. Maybe it's too long. But Josito Lopez... Uh, is fighting undefeated Miguel Cruz. Um, Lo Lopez seems to be the A side of this fight. It, it is uh, uh, more of a local fight for him. But Miguel Cruz seems to be the guy on the rise and would love to get a name like Josito Lopez on his resume. I went against the grain. Dax and I split on this. He went with the young gun in Miguel Cruz. I took my man out of loyalty, Josito Lopez. Uh, how do you see it going? Uh, I think I'm with Dax. Um, Miguel Cruz, uh, you know, he's talented, he's young, he's hungry. Um, and like you said, I think Jose Cito Lopez has been, uh, you know, um, up the uh, up those steps maybe a little too much. Uh, if he wins, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure there's a lot left for him. Um, I don't know. I, I like Miguel Cruz by decision. Um, the uh, next one is this guy. I don't know how he has the rankings that he does, and I think he's a complete fraud, and I haven't seen anything to make me think otherwise, but Jarrell Baby Miller against Johan Duapaz. Um, he is ranked by the computer fairly high, which shocks me, and in three of the four major sanctioning bodies, he's ranked number three. Um, he's fighting Johan Duapaz, who's a slow fighter, but he's got a granite chin. Um, and he's also got some pop. 
I picked Jarrell Miller because I think he's going to win this fight because he is a busy fighter, and he will land on Duopaz. Duopaz can't get out of his own way. But I don't think he's stopping Duopaz. And, and, and quite honestly, a win over Duopaz doesn't change my opinion of him. But I'm picking Jarrell Miller. Who, who, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I think this is the one, this is the, I don't know, for me, this is the most interesting fight of the weekend, like I said yesterday, because um, I love heavyweights. Um, but you're right, uh, Jarrell Miller, um, you know, he hasn't really impressed me yet. The thing I do like about him very much, like you said, is he throws a lot of punches. Um, that's something that, um, you know, you can't. It, you know, we always worry about all these close decisions. Well, if you're the guy throwing a lot of punch, we lost you there. For the most part, usually uh, the guy who throws the most punches is the one who uh, comes out ahead. Uh, I like that about Miller. Um, I, I think he will win this fight and win um, by decision uh, because you're right. Duopas uh, has a great chin. Um, Let's just hope it's not a stinker. I hope it's a good fight, and I hope Miller looks great because uh, if he does, then um, it's only good for the heavyweight division because there's more uh, there's more excitement about there. There's more players, and uh, I think that's good because the heavyweight division is what you know runs boxing. And uh, so when you got a healthy heavyweight division, the whole sport is uh, benefits from it. I agree. And finally, uh, the most. The fight that I want to watch the most, most, even though I don't think it's going to be competitive, is Daniel Jacobs against uh, Misik uh, Suluki. And um, I, 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 both Dax and I picked Danny Jacobs. I'm sure you will too. Uh, but uh, I, I think you could make a strong argument that Daniel Jacobs might be the best middleweight in the world today. I mean, most people, including myself, will if, if asked, I'll say Triple G is number one. But I, like I said, I mean, Daniel Jacobs, and I agree with what Dak said, you know, Daniel Jacobs is is the perfect face for, for the sport of boxing, at, at you know, at, at, for today's world especially. You know, he's uh, he's a good guy. He, he says the right things. He lets his fists do the talking. He doesn't get caught up in all the BS. And, uh, you know, he's not pounding his chest. He, he, he performs and, and lets everyone else make the decisions for him. And that's the real beauty of this sport of boxing. If you let your your fist do the talking, you're gonna get the accolades. It's the guys that kind of coax the accolades along with their big mouth pounded on their chest. And then, by the way, you're putting more pressure on yourself if you don't succeed by you know talking all that smack. I'm picking Danny Jacobs over Saluki. What's your thoughts? I, I think that is a wise pick. I I think I'm going with the same pick. Jacobs by decision. I think this fight um, could be a lot tougher for Jacobs than we think. Um, Saluki, uh, he had that really good fight. Well, at least he looked great in beating uh, Hugo Centeno, um, where he just beat him up and knocked him out. And um, I think this guy's talented. And as much as he's not a household name by any means, he's not a name that even boxing fans uh, might, you know, that might jump to mind. Um, 
I think he's going to give Danny Jacobs uh, a, a tough fight. However, uh, like you said, I agree. I think Danny Jacobs is a great – he's great for the sport. He's a positive guy. He's a bright guy. Um, he's extremely intelligent whenever you hear interviews with him. Uh, he doesn't seem like a pug. You know, he seems like he's he could be a baseball player or something. Um, not to say that baseball players are the brightest bulbs in the batch, but uh, <laughs> he um, – I do think that uh, he wins, and I think he wins a decision. See, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I think that this is what's unfortunate about our sport, Bill, in a way, is that, you know, there's just, I mean, think about it. Canelo has been sitting on the sitting on the shelf now for a while, and we had unfinished, unfinished business with him and Golovkin. In a way, I think there's unfinished business with, with Golovkin and Jacobs. So it's been sort of, um, because the, when I scored that fight the first time, I thought Jacobs won. Um, and then when I watched it again, um, I did think uh, Golovkin won it by, I think I had it 116, 114, something like that. 116, 115, I forget. Um, because there was the knockdown. But, um, I mean, this, like you said, he is one of the best middleweights in the world. Uh, so this fight is going to be a good one. I think uh, I think he beats Saliki. Uh, so Luke, well, hopefully, the, what I'm looking forward to is learning how to pronounce his name. Um but uh, Danny Jacobs is a guy that, um, you know, uh, deserves all the credit he gets. Uh, he's fun to watch, and uh, I look forward to uh, him looking good. Um, thanks for uh, all the picks uh, on the fights, Alex. Uh, I, got, I got two other topics I want to ask you your thoughts on real quick. Uh, first and foremost, the new report out, uh, and I, <laughs> had a, I just got done spitting out the, the, the feathers, but... Um, Canelo Alvarez did succumb to a uh, hair follicle test, and the he results. Did. Oh, that's great! Oh, so you don't know the results? The results, no. the, the results have come up clean. That wow. they, that oh, that's that great and, news. and and he had he had submitted the test. His, it, he, they had taken the hair follicles on March 29th, and that's more than a month after he tested positive via a urine test for clarenbuterol. Um, according to the uh, approved uh, WADA lab, the WADA lab uh, that was out of Salt Lake City, um, they came and uh, the results were negative, that there were no long-term use, uh, no proof of long-term use of clarenbuterol found in his hair follicles. And, um, uh, you know, that it, 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 it happens to fall within the, the realm of eating contaminated meat. What's your thoughts on this newest development? Wow, this is, um, I'm very glad to hear that because that's, uh, I think that is what was the pure, the truest way to exonerate himself was to just pluck a hair and say, here, test this hair. Um, that's great news. Um, and I think one of the things that they had said that uh, Golden Boy had done was supplied even the receipts from restaurants in Mexico where, you know, they might have eaten the uh, contaminated meat. Um, so, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh, come on. But now, you know, it does add a lot of credibility to their story. Um, yeah, I mean, then I, in a way, that's good news because I'm glad they didn't throw the book at him. Uh, a lot of people were upset that he didn't get a year a suspension. Um I don't know. You know, it is one of those things that, uh, boy, uh, it does certainly make the case for lentils. Doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know what I said? I said, why didn't they why didn't they do the test pretty quickly? Why'd they wait another month? 
You know, because yeah. look at everything that unfolded. You have the the media frenzy, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I I uh, was very hard on Canelo, and I apologized because a hair follicle would have been the easiest thing. We talked about that, um, you know, a lot. So uh, we'll see. What, yeah, and, uh, I, and I mean, I think it says that if you're a professional athlete and you go to a restaurant that you don't really, you aren't familiar with, you know, uh, just uh, – Maybe get the fruit salad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know how long that is. That's been. A... Let, let <laughs> me just... Nowadays, that could have E. coli. Let, let, let me just tell you this. I, I was a manager uh, of a fighter, uh, Kenny Craven, at the time. Uh, we were uh, on. Uh, he was making a comeback. He was on the way up. And we fought Vasily Jirov uh, out in this godforsaken place in, the, in one of the Dakotas. Anyway, Vasily Jirov traveled with all his own food. This guy would refuse to eat anything from anywhere. They had literally all his meals uh, pre-made. And the reason why I know is because we were all, believe it or not, stuck in the same plane, same transportation vehicle from the airport. You know, both teams were, were all together. And they had all of these cases of food. And, you know, if you're going to be, and if people remember, Vasily Jerov is also the one that ended Baby Joe Macy's career. But anyway, if you, uh, you know, are a professional athlete and you're being tested for performance-enhancing drugs, and there's a possibility you can get it from food that you eat, or even get it from somebody here, here, have a have a drink of this, you know, and you never know what's in there. Uh, bring your own stuff. It's that simple. Bring your own stuff. But uh, my the last thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, having lunch with um, Bernard Hopkins a few years ago and uh, you know it was a, a luncheon uh, interview type thing and um, it was amazing everybody you know it was a freebie lunch so you know it was this nice Italian restaurant everybody ate not Bernard you should have seen Bernard had like a couple of uh, pieces of broccoli a couple of pieces of melon that's all he ate well you know he's uh He's a little different than than you and I. I mean, uh, he yeah, can't. Yeah, he's he, a strict I, I, guy. He I, walks the walk. It, like for me, yesterday, you know, you bring a pizza in my house, and uh, you, you're gonna have to fight me for you know a crust because I'll eat the whole pie, you know. But uh, <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, get your thoughts on real quick, is uh, you know I, I, all this talk about this fifty million dollar offer from from Deontay Wilder via email to Anthony Joshua. Um, and, and you know, I, I was a little surprised this morning that I didn't see a thousand different, uh, you know, updates on, on this case, specifically and especially since, you know, Deontay's email to AJ gave him 24 hours to accept. Uh, we talked briefly yesterday. Uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, discussion on this, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, people that are for Deontay are, are saying that, you know, it doesn't matter where the money comes from. When somebody offers you $50 million, you take it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and, but it, it kind of does matter where it comes from because if it's coming from someone's imagination, uh, you know, I'd rather have Monopoly money than that, than imaginary money. But, but the truth of the matter is, as I said this, Alex, why doesn't Anthony Joshua accept the offer in which this in the same exact way in which he received the offer reply to the email and say i accept and then publish that because both know that that's no that's no contract a contract is a contract 
there's a spot there in a line where both names get signed, and there's a there's uh, you know specifics in the contract, you know, crazy stuff like where it's going to be, when it's going to be, you know, how the money's getting there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, all stuff that you would like to see in a contract, but no, Team Wilder put a 24-hour time limit for him to respond, and according to multiple sources. They are not entertaining producing a physical contract until uh, AJ physically accepts the offer from Deontay. So I say this, Alex. Reply to the friggin' email and say I accept and let's see what happens. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's It's such a weird thing. I mean... Talk about, uh, I mean, it's negotiating in the press. It's it's all kind of phony. Um, yeah, uh, I think you're right. I mean, if that's all he wants, just, you know, tweet him back. Sure, we're on. Um, because you're right. It all has to be ironed out anyway. And it's not going to matter what, what each other tweet, what each one tweeted uh, or emailed. Um, yeah, that, that's screwy. It, it's just, it's a pissing contest at this, at this point. Um they will fight, but um, it looks like we're going to have to uh, listen to a lot of crap until then. And that's that's really disappointing because I, um, it's a fight boxing um, really would love. i tell you what's really disappointing. It's all the crap that I got to listen to for just saying that I thought it was strange that a real contract. I've been getting hate uh, emails and posts about me saying, you know, I'm a racist. I'm anti-American uh, because and, and people saying... Who cares if where the money comes from, Billy C? He needs to take it. Now I'm like, uh, where is this ignorance being being birthed in this country? <laughs> I mean, I mean, where do we, where do we? Uh, when did it happen that you know? It's like it's like we joked about. Oh, I heard it on the internet, so it's gotta be true. You know? <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. come on. I mean, like I said, I made an offer. If somebody wants, I, I will give you fifty million dollars. That's it, uh, Alex. I'm gonna email you uh, in a little while. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you 50 million next time you come on the show. All right, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. I, what does it mean? It means like, oh, Alex, I didn't really mean that. Right, you didn't right. see a contract. Come on, Alex. You know, I was going for the ratings. You know, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, to even suggest that it's a legit deal without any paperwork is the craziest part of it all. So 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 that's why I say then then you know if you want to play the game play the game. Play it by their rules. Reply. AJ if you're watching, Eddie if you're watching, reply. Say you accept it. Let's see what happens. That's what I say, Alex. In all caps. Right, <laughs> it's, it's it's on. It's on. You're right. You're right. You know. Uh, but uh, anyway, listen, my man. I appreciate you uh, taking some time. Uh, you know, rolling right out of bed and all. And uh, I, you know, yeah, I drank a glass of water at five thirty a.m. and I kept it down. There so. you go. <laughs> there you go. Things are looking up. Think or, or things are staying down. I, I don't know. Whatever. However you want to look at it. Hey, listen, my man. Enjoy the fights. Uh, we will uh, look forward to uh, next week when you come back on, and uh, we'll go from there, brother. All right, Billy C., take care. All right, that's Alex Papali. You can catch him on Wednesdays, and then some, uh, because he runs our uh, blast from the past. So uh, anyway, hey, listen, uh, I am not 
going to take a, uh, for all the affiliates uh, out there, I am not going to take a break here at this time slot uh, because I got several emails I want to get out of the way and because we're not doing a live show on Monday. I feel a little guilty. So uh, uh, first email, this one is from my man Jeff. And he says, bravo, Larry Hazard, bravo. Beautiful explanation of scoring the rounds. Uh, this would cure poor decisions. Uh, he says, I couldn't agree more. Dominant rounds must get more than a 10-9, and knockdowns should not totally turn around if the fighter was losing the round enough set. Uh, this is in response to uh, our uh, discussion about scoring. And, you know, this is something that Larry Hazard's been very adamant about. And, you know, the basically a guy like Larry Hazard who has been involved in the sport as long as he has in the, the positions in which he has as a judge, uh, as uh, a referee, uh, as a uh, commissioner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, uh, this is uh, a, a guy that, you know, has told us many, many times of how, um, you know, uh, the way that fights are um, judged and scored is really not correct. Uh, the 10-point must system, the um, feeling was that the winner gets 10, the loser gets 9, no matter what. And that is, in theory, why the 10-point must system was put in place. Uh, if, if you guys don't know uh, the reason, well, originally, um, in more recent times, it was basically a round, uh, six rounds to four or, or whatever. Um, and, and those uh, rounds uh, were added up, and the guy who won the most rounds won the fight. Um, you know, so the 10-point must system was supposed to be a fix where you added up the points, etc. But what has happened, and Larry has pointed out so often, that you could have the crazy scores at the end. And, and great examples that we've discussed is if you look at in the WBC, actually, I, I, I had talked to uh, the WBC about this. Um, you know, if you, if you look at three rounds, let's say, Fighter A versus Fighter B, Fighter A beats the snot out of Fighter B in round one. I mean, from ring post to ring post. He, he, uh, fighter B doesn't even land a punch. Fighter A just, just beats the snot out of him but doesn't drop him. And most judges would score that round 10-9. Then the second round comes around, and Fighter B is a little more competitive, lands some punches, and the round becomes very close. Fighter A uh, maybe gassed out a little bit and, and tried to use the round to recover, whatever the case was. And at the end of the round, it's one of those real close rounds, but the judges unanimously pick Fighter B. Say, well, you know what? He did land the harder punches. He was a little more active. I'm going to give Fighter B uh, the round. Now, that's six minutes of boxing that just got completed. Uh, the second three minutes was close. So let's say that, uh, even for argument's sake, let's say two minutes went to Fighter B and one minute of the round, the second round, went to Fighter A. The f Fighter A in round number one got all three minutes. He beat the snot. So going into round... Uh, three, you technically have a fighter that has three minutes of win, winning a round of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, four minutes of winning uh, uh, 
two rounds that have been completed, and fighter B with two minutes of two rounds being completed. So you have four minutes versus two minutes over two rounds of, of a total of six minutes, right? But the way the scorecards would have tallied up is the fight's even. And when the fight really wasn't even. So Larry suggests that we use the points the way we should. So maybe that first round becomes 10-8 or even 10-7 based on the beatdown. And then the second round being close, okay, give it 10-9. But the score now is, is reflective upon who did what. The other issue about scoring is the knockdown. You automatically uh, win a 10-8 round. So fighter A is beating the snot out of fighter B for two minutes and 45 seconds of a round, and fighter B lands a lucky shot, drops fighter A at the end, the last 15 seconds of the round, flash knockdown, fighter A is back on his feet, ready to continue, the bell sounds. 90% of the time, the judges will score that round 10-8 in favor of fighter B. And in that case, you get a three-point swing in one round in which Fighter A technically uh, was winning. So, you know, a fight, a round like that, uh, according to Larry, should have been scored because of the knockdown 10-9 uh, uh, in favor of Fighter B. Um, uh, or you could look at it another way where you score the round, then deduct the points the way you're supposed to with a point deduction. So, in other words... If you score around 10-9 in favor of fighter A and fighter A loses a point for hitting below the belt, well, you first do the score of 10-9, then you do the deduction. So at the end, your scorecard's going to read 9-9. Uh, a lot of times, the, the judges will do it the complete opposite. Oh, referee took a point away. 10-9 in favor of the guy who, who uh, uh, you know, won the point, so to speak. And it's the same principle. Uh, I believe, with a knockdown. You watch the fight. If the guy who's winning the round gets the knockdown, 10-8. 10-8, no problem. He, he wins 10-9, deduct a point for the knockdown, it equals 10-8. But if the uh, fighter A is winning the round for 2 minutes and 45 seconds and fighter B gets that flash knockdown, well, then what you do is, you, you in my opinion, the, what you should do is score the fight, A, Fighter A won the won the round, won more than the the than Fighter B. The score is 10-9. Now I got to deduct for a knockdown because Fighter B got the knockdown. Subtract the knockdown from the 10. Now that round becomes 9-9. So I, basically what Larry's saying and Jeff agrees with is let's use the points. Let's use the points. You know, um, so often does a fighter automatically get a 10-9 round uh, for even a close round, and then the uh, knockdowns are good for one point. So if a guy gets knocked down twice in a round, uh, it's a 10-7 round. But if the guy gets two, two uh, knockdowns in the last 30 seconds um, and the other fighter was winning, well, maybe it shouldn't be a full 10-7. I don't know. But uh, something has to be done because the scoring has been uh, uh, ridiculous. Um Finally, I got uh, one more uh, email. This one's from uh, my man Jesse. He says, good morning, Billy C. What's your thoughts on uh, on former IBF lightweight champion Paul Spadafora uh, signing to compete is what, in, is what is being billed as the first legal, regulated, and sanctioned bare-knuckle boxing event in the United States 
since 1889. The 42-year-old Spadafora uh, hasn't fought since 2014. They're charging a pay-per-view uh, for this. What's your thoughts? I happen to like the bare knuckle. Uh, if they could do it in a safe manner, um, I say let's do it. Um, I don't understand why uh, we get to watch uh, over 40-year-olds and have to pay for it, but that's another story. Uh, he says, let's give credit to Charlo, even though Centeno is a small 160-pounder. I want to see him next against Triple G, Canelo, Jacobs, Andre, or even Billy Joe Saunders. How do you think he does in super middleweight? I think he should go to super middleweight. He's too big for the middleweight division. If, if you make the same day weigh-ins, you'll, you'll eliminate that. You'll eliminate the, the, the oversized guys. Some, some bodies can, can dehydrate way better than others. And I think the tr both Charlo brothers are a good example. As far as seeing him against Triple G, I want to see him fight somebody. His opponents have been handpicked. Um, Triple G, Canelo, Jacobs, Demetrius Andre, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, all good opponents to really see how good Charlo is, in my opinion. I agree with you. He says, uh, Jesse and Broner are uh, just opponents versus up-and-comers, basically gatekeepers. They will not beat guys like Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence, Danny Garcia, uh, Keith uh, Thurman, or Sean Porter. Um, you know, I, Jesse Vargas, if he had a little more knockout power, would be a lot better. I don't know if I'd label him a gatekeeper yet, but it is a very tough division he fights in. As far as Adrian Broner, you know, Adrian Broner is a talented fighter. He's a clown, but he's a talented fighter. Um, you know, I would like to see Adrian Broner drop back down to 140 at least. Um, campaigning as a welterweight does not make sense for him. I think 140 uh, would be a good division for Adrian Broner if he could get his head screwed on straight again. I think that uh, he is way better than just a gatekeeper at least at 140. At 147, uh, you know, I don't know if he's got the punching power and the, uh, um, you know, frequency of his punches uh, to be uh, any kind of a, uh, a big threat uh, in that division. So, yeah, I, I think that um, Adrian Broner, I don't think people uh, should write him off just yet. Uh, I, uh, you know, he's a talented fighter. Whether you like him or not, he's a talented fighter, so. Uh, he says, uh, my picks uh, for the weekend, Josito Lopez stopping Miguel Cruz. You're with me. I'm with you, man. I picked him, and uh, everybody else picked Cruz. Uh, he says, I, well, he's picking Han over Durrell. I, I, I think the Durrell brothers are so bad for this part. I don't even want to talk about them. Um, uh, Lara knocking out Moraro. I didn't even pick that. Lubin was this, with a comeback win. Jesse Magladaniel with a late stoppage. Jacobs with a late stoppage. And Baby Miller, unanimous decision. Uh, good picks for you there, Jess. Uh, I wish you luck. So, uh, uh, anyway. Um, uh, again, I, I, I want to touch on two topics that we had today. Uh, first, Canelo Alvarez uh, apparently uh, uh, giving up a hair follicle uh, and uh, coming back uh, negative coming back negative that there is no indication of long-term clarambutyl use i think uh, uh that's a good thing for the sport and uh hopefully uh you know i i still find it strange that they backed off i still find it strange that he decided to have the surgery done it's almost like they welcomed that six-month break and it benefits canelo 
it does not benefit Triple G. Now, what Triple G does from here on out uh, pertaining to Canelo, we don't know. Uh, he seemed to have been on the fence whether he was going to fight Canelo or not. I still think that the fight for Triple G is against Billy Joe Saunders and then walk away. And then the, you have a middleweight division that would uh, create some uh, uh, fights between Canelo and uh, uh, you know Danny Jacobs and, and Billy Joe Saunders. And, you know, some up-and-comers, I mean, uh, that that's what I think. Uh, that, that's what I would root for. And the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, what I opened up with today. The bottom line is, you know, whether you believe this alleged $50 million offer, I'm not suggesting that the email was not sent. We all saw the video. We all, uh, you know, got the confirmation from uh, a team, uh, Joshua, that the emails were sent. Um, but I find it very strange that uh, that Team Wilder uh, is going by this email and that AJ has to be the guy who accepts it. Um, Shelly Finkel, Al Heyman, uh, the two uh, big names behind Deontay Wilder, are no, uh, you know, novices uh, at the sport of boxing, and and I would bet my last nickel. No, I, mean, I I only have about a nickel left to my name. Maybe my last four cents, um, and save a penny for myself. I'd bet that four cents um, that uh, Al Heyman and, and, and Shelley Finkel would never ever accept the same kind of an offer in which it was presented, the same manner uh, to any uh, body. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. But, but you know, uh, to appease uh, the ignorant fans out there that, that think that that's all that has to be done uh, in the sport is to have one fighter send another fighter an email or even worse, send a tweet out uh, calling him out. I suggest that uh, uh, Anthony Joshua reply to the email that Deontay said and say, yes. I accept because it's just as valid as his offer. Neither one of them are worth the emails that they, if they printed out, if they even printed the emails, neither one of those, the offer and the response is not worth the paper that you would print it out on. It's And that's a fact that you're not going to be able to go to a commission and get a fight approved uh, with an email, with with a couple of emails, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you need contracts. You need names. You need licensed uh, uh, people involved uh, with the license on the contracts. You need uh, data on the contract, where it's going to be, what time it's going to be, what the stipulations are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, this was a publicity stunt for all intent purposes. Uh, I think that uh, AJ should should act in the same way. Reply, AJ, Eddie. If you're listening, reply to the email. Accept it. Let's see what happens then. I bet you. I bet you. If they replied today, and said I accept, I bet you that the answer from Team Wilder would be, "Well, sorry, we gave you till the end of yesterday to accept. Didn't do it. Sorry, no fight." That's what's going to happen. And rumor has it that the uh, Dominic Brazil, Deontay Wilder fight's already signed and sealed and delivered. And I got news for you: uh, Deontay Wilder is in a tough fight with Brazil. I'm telling you right now. Um, our trivia question, do we have a winner? Yeah, we do. Uh, the trivia question, let me find it here, um, was, 
which fighter was DQ'd in successive world title fights to the same opponent? Now, we got a bunch of answers that were all the same. Uh, Andrew Galata. And we also got a bunch of answers that were correct. But the first guy to answer uh, correct is uh, my man Chad. Chad from Nashua, New Hampshire, who listens on WSMN. And, and I appreciate it. You know, I, I was asking you guys, you know, if you listen or watch us, drop me an email. I'm curious to know where you're watching or listening. Uh, most of our audience comes from TV and network. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, TV and radio. We are on the Internet and we are slowly uh, you know, making a bigger presence on YouTube. So we're curious to know, uh, are you watching us on TV? Are you watching us on YouTube? Are you listening on the radio? Are you listening uh, on a podcast? How you, how you getting us? Just just drop an email. I'm curious. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, but congratulations, Chad. I sent him a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. He knew that the last fighter that was DQ'd uh, in successful, or I should say, which fighter was DQ'd in successive world title fights to the same opponent? The, the, the question here is world title fights. The answer, Terry Norris. He lost twice to Luis Santana by disqualification. So uh, congrats to uh, my man Chad. Um, we have uh, uh, another question for you, uh, and this one is uh, going to go like this. So if you're the first one to email me uh, the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, uh, you will get uh, the prize, which uh, uh, we're going to give another copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Um, we also got uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, other stuff lined up, but uh, I just happened to have uh, gotten a bunch of the Title Bouts, so we're going to give those away. So if you answer this one correct, uh, I will uh, give you uh, your very own copy of the uh, Title Bout Championship computer game. This is a tough one, all right? I, I got an email saying, Billy, see, you're giving out too easy questions. No, I got a bunch of easy ones, but this one is a tough one. Um, I once, st st uh, now I, I had did this question once before, and I, I don't think we ever got a winner. And If I did, I didn't jot it down, but uh, one, I once stopped an undefeated fighter. I once stopped the undefeated fighter of record. Then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? It's a who am I question. I once stopped an undefeated fighter. Then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? If you're the first one to get this question right by emailing me, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N. B-O-X-I-N-G.com, uh, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. I'll read it one more time. Uh, I once stopped an undefeated fighter. Then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? Email me if you know this answer. Billy at Talkin Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Hey, listen, boys and girls. We are not doing a live show uh, on Monday, and I apologize for that, but we will be back better than ever uh, on Tuesday. So uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, and make sure you tune in Tuesday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs>